You're entering the chat connection. Linda and make sure you like, comment, and subscribe on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. And as always, if you'd like to be a guest or featured on the show, please email the chat connection at gmail.com. Welcome to the show. On today's episode, we have Truett. He and I went to college together. Oh, the biology memories. Uh, but no, as long as I've known you, Truett, you've always seemed to have a great head on your shoulders. And I know you've always been transparent about having cancer in the past. But before we get into all of that, if you could kindly introduce yourself officially and let us know how we can show you some love and support. Yeah, so my name is Truett Taylor. I live in Atlanta, Georgia. I own my own contract a design firm here. I left the corporate world a little over three years ago and made that big leap of faith to, to become an entrepreneur and start my own business. Nice. And it freed up some time for me to do some personal things. And I started a podcast called the 1% Podcast. Um, it's for cancer warriors, survivors, and caregivers where they have an opportunity to share their story. Like it's every episode is an encouraging story from either one of those three groups of people. Mm-hmm. And we talk about everything. We're, it's super authentic. It's um, it's just great stories of, you know, some people overcoming cancer, some people, you know, knowing they're going to pass away with cancer, but everyone's attitude is really... yeah. Man, it's, it's, it's wonderful. I've learned so much about myself and, and so many other people just from interviewing, you know, all of these people that we've, we've had on the show from all over the world. So um, you can check that out. At, um, it's on all the podcast platforms or you can check out the website, 1percentpodcast.com. And thanks for even starting that podcast, because clearly that's helping others as well. You know what I mean? Yeah, I've got some great feedback about it. Now, true it. Um, because like one of the biggest myths or misconceptions is that you have to be a certain age to have cancer mm-hmm. or I think because of advertisement of less stigmatized cancers, um, people think that women are at a higher risk when, in fact, according to cancer.gov, the cancer mortality rate is actually higher amongst men than women. So because of this, I thought you would be a great guest for the show. So for all of those who haven't followed your journey, could you kindly walk us through your story, um, you know, right up to the point when you're diagnosed with cancer? Yeah, I had... um graduated from the University of West Georgia and um, <laughs> and I moved to Atlanta and started uh, working at the Art Institute of Atlanta. I was one of the assistant directors of admissions there and I worked my way up my career all the way to director of admissions at the school. Mm-hmm. Everything was going great. Uh, I've always tried to keep myself in pretty good shape and uh, eat healthy and you know exercise a lot and um, all different kind of competitive activities I was always in just to kind of keep that flow going. Yeah. And life was good, I would say. Um, I had some uh, challenges in the past with some, some family things and stuff. Um, I lost my brother to suicide in 2008. Hmm. And um, the same month I had, my father had a, a motorcycle accident and became a quadriplegic all in the same oh, wow. month. Yeah, it was kind of, so it was kind of wild there. But those, and I not 
not knowing at the time, those situations kind of helped prepare me in a way for other things in my life going forward. So it was 2012. I was having, I had competed in a um, little kickboxing tournament in December and I wasn't able to gain uh, the the weight back that I thought that was going to. Like I typically like training it down to a certain weight and then you know, you gain that weight back a couple of weeks later. Well, I wasn't getting any weight back and I was having some pain in my lower left side. I'm like, that's and, the problem I need. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was like, man, maybe someone kicked me really hard. And I didn't realize it or I don't know. So I finally went to the doctor and he's like, worst case scenario, you have like Crohn's disease or something. Oh, wow. So I've never even had a cavity before. And he's talking about me having a disease. And I was like, wait a minute, there's no way. Um, so I was like, you know, well, well, at least like what we should do is have a colonoscopy mm-hmm. and check out everything. So I was 31, had my first colonoscopy. When I woke up, his exact words were, today's not going to be a good day for you. Um, unfortunately, you have a very large tumor in your colon that I couldn't even get the scope past. Wow. I think it's cancer, but we're going to have someone else double check. And whenever you come out of the, um, the anesthesia, it's called propofol they give you for colonoscopies. You're kind of out of it for a second too. And I was remember like talking to the person I was with. I was like, Hey, did, did he say I had cancer? And, uh, yeah, it's weird. Like you go, like I remember you're always really hungry cause you can't eat like 24 hours before you have a colonoscopy. So I was really hungry afterwards. And I was like, man, what if I, you know, you kind of start thinking about what if I do have cancer? And I was like 31, who, who do I right. know? You cancer? don't think about that. Like, right. Like, you know, my grandmother had cancer, but she was like in her late eighties, you know? So, yeah. um, but nothing related to this. And come to find out a couple, like a week later, I went back and had another doctor check during a different procedure. And it came back that I had colon cancer. Like even hearing it now is just like, wow. Yeah, I remember having to go in and tell my boss at work. I was like, hey, you know, this is kind of what's going on. Mm-hmm. And um, we made a decision. We had a, a large team at the time of like 70 something people. And um I had my own personal team of like 20 people out of that group. And so we got everybody together Yeah. and I told everybody and I was like, you know, I'm going to be out for a little bit, obviously, because I have a surgery coming up and everything else. And it was, man, it was, it was wild. Like the, the shock I would say in the room kind of resembled the shock I had myself when I first heard the news. Yeah. Because just mentally, what all goes through your head during those times when like, you know what I mean? And you had mentioned that you had brought a person. Like, did you bring them just for the colonoscopy? Yeah, you have to have somebody drive you home. I had a friend of mine come with me at the time. And so yeah. um, we were talking about everything and they were like, there's no way you have, there's you you out of any, but nobody, you have cancer. It's probably just something else, you know, mm-hmm. all those lines. But when you get the, the true diagnosis, I actually had um, my mother there with me at the same time. And when we heard those and she was just completely shocked. I'm the, she always called me the most healthy kid you have. I have a sister, you know, not live the most healthy lifestyle in a lot of ways. And uh, she, there's nothing wrong with her. You know what I mean? But I'm the one who's, yeah. who's participating in all this. But it's weird because you don't know what to expect. I think that's the yeah. part of me is like, okay, you're going to get over it. It's not that big of a deal. Like, you know, but when you actually start going through the process, like the surgery was huge. Like I've never, again, I've never had a cab. I've never had any kind of big surgery before, but I had surgery in August and they went in and removed a foot of my colon 
and took out a lot of the lymph nodes around the area and stuff to check those. Like what stage were you in? Colon cancer comes in different stages and stage four being the worst, which means it had spread to your other organs. Mm-hmm. I had stage three because it had spread to the lymph nodes, wow. but not the other organs. But typically people with stage three have to go through the chemotherapy and depending on the location, the radiation portion of everything. So when I was in the hospital, I was in the hospital for five days. Um, they basically took out a foot of my colon, connected everything back, and you're trying to regain everything from there. Well, a couple of weeks later, yeah. I had a port put in my chest. And since it was stage three, I started um, what would be 10 rounds of chemotherapy. And that's wow. that's the hard part. That's intense. Because like, even, you know, you mentioned stage three, but like before finding out that you were in stage three, like apart from thinking like it was just a bruise, were there like any other symptoms that you were noticing? When I look back on it now, um, I noticed that I was, I started going to the restroom probably a little more frequently, Mm -hmm. I would say, now that I look back at it. Um, I never had any, like blood in your stool is typically a sign of colon cancer, but I never recall having any blood in my stool or anything like that. Like, um, that was something that, you know, I've, any man who's lifted weights for a while and everything else strains too hard and occasionally has issues like that. But I hadn't had any, any, any issue, other issues. Uh, I was just going to the restroom a little more frequently and that was apparently a part of the whole process as well too. Like just with that extra mass inside your colon, it does speed up Yeah, um, you go in the restroom and stuff. That was, that was basically it, just some pain and you know, so if it wasn't for that pain, it probably still would have been progressing. Yeah. And so before then as well, I know that men typically, well, this could be a misconception too, but like men usually don't go and get um, checked out. Yeah. Um, was that not part of your routine and they didn't catch it or? Um, I had, again, I, I, I just... I've always been kind of body conscious as far as like what my body's telling me to slow down, speed up, start, stop, and things like that. Um, I hadn't had any other physical ailments to ever trigger anything um, to go to the doctor. But the reason a lot of men don't go to doctors is like a pride and ego thing. Mm. And I talk about that a lot on my podcast. There's this mask of uh, masculinity that men wear sometimes Mm. that, you know, we're, Nothing can happen to us. We don't need to go to the doctor, all those other things, right? Which is not true. Yeah, completely false. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I, yeah, I'd always never been, had an issue about going to the doctor. I don't love to take medicine. That's kind of my my stubbornness right there. But um, (laughs) me neither. If I have to, I will, but I don't know. Um, But yeah, so I was just, I was conscious about it and um, I knew I needed to go because the pain, I was, I would say was, was yeah. the most uncomfortable portion of it. And I'm really glad I went because yeah. the doctor told me, he's like, you've had cancer for years. You just didn't know it. Wow. Which is wild. And I was only 31. That would be that. That's like, that's the part that's kind of like mind blown. But like you said, like apart from your grandmother, is there anyone else in your family that has cancer? My grandfather, but he was late eighties too, you know, like when you get that old, I think sometimes you, you gotta touch everything. You never know, right? So <laughs> <laughs> that's well. <laughs> 
Uh, okay, so you went to the doctor. You had your surgery. You went to like, okay, something's going on here. Find out you have cancer. Um, you got a foot of your colon removed and you're an outpatient for like four to five days. And then what happened next? Yeah. And then I, a couple weeks later, I got a port put in my chest. Um, and I started chemo a couple weeks after that. And, um, the type of chemo they give you for colon cancer, it's different depending on your diagnosis, but they gave me a drug called oxaliplatin, which is a palladium based drug, which is really hits your um, fast growing cells a lot. So everything from your GI tract, from like the beginning to the end of your GI tract, you, it, it attacks those areas because that's typically where the cancer is. Um, colon cancer can spread to your lungs or your liver. That's the two main places it goes. Mm. So they've checked my lungs and my liver just to make sure that that was well too. They didn't see anything there. Yeah. Um, but when it's in your lymph nodes, it can be anywhere. So that's why they give you the chemo to just kill any kind of cancer you may have. But um, the drug they give is very, it's, it's real tough, I would say. It's not the kind of chemo that makes you lose your hair, but it's the kind of chemo that makes your whole digestive system just feel awful. And how many rounds did you have to go through? I know you said 10. Well, yeah. So I was supposed to get 12, but they started the the first round. And I remember the first, after the first round I had, I said, I don't know if I can do this Mm -hmm. for 12 more or for 11 more times because it was the worst feeling I've ever felt in my life. Like I couldn't pick my head up, like the headaches, like all the things, like I was just completely wiped out. And the thing about chemo is the more you get, the worse it gets. Mm -hmm. So I've heard that. Yeah. Yeah. It builds up a lot, especially with this drug. The long, the more you take, it builds up in like your hands and your feet. So when you start having hand and feet issues, like they would, the t- your hands and feet would just be numb or, or I couldn't touch anything cold. Like I couldn't grab anything cold out of wow. the refrigerator and I couldn't drink anything cold for six plus months because it felt like needles going down your throat just because your whole GI system and digestive system was being manipulated at the yeah. time. But I did six rounds of chemo and then um, based on the location of where my tumor was that they removed, it was really close to like the internal rectal area that Mm -hmm. you have. And if you have cancer in your rectum, they can't give you chemo for that. They have to give you radiation. So mine was on the board. Mine was like a couple centimeters away. So how many rounds of radiation did you have to do then? So the doctors thought it would be a good idea to do... 25 rounds of radiation in the middle, just in case, you know, so out every day for five days a week for, you know, for five weeks, I would go to, I was working still working still. I was going to the hospital before (laughs) I went to work in the morning, every morning at seven o'clock, I would lay on this table and I would get 30 minutes worth of radiation every day and then go to work right after that. What was the worst thing about getting radiation for you? The worst thing about radiation for me was the fatigue. Mm. Like it was, I could not carry my own groceries up the stairs in my house. It was one of those things where I would just like to have to sit up at night. I would make myself something to eat and just be so tired. And I would make it up to stairs to my bedroom and I would just sit on the floor and eat. And that was it. I wasn't coming back downstairs, no matter what happened the rest of the night. It was, I'm still shocked. Like the fact that you said you still went to work. Yeah. After getting that. Yeah, my doctor even wrote me a prescription to take a nap in my car every day. Wow. Like he wrote that for the for the office I was That's, at. But yeah. So the way I look at it is like your surgery, you get cut, right? You're 
chemo, you get poisoned and your radiation, you get burned. That's kind of the issue. So imagine that all going on inside of a- That's a lot. Right? So once I finished the the radiation, then I started up my, they wanted to do six more rounds of chemo at the very end. Mm -hmm. So I did the, I did, I got to my 10th round and I had a very severe allergic reaction all of a sudden to the chemo. They, they plugged it up and then all of a sudden my feet started itching. I was sitting in this chair and then my legs started itching and then like it kind of then it, i was like hey something something's not right you know what i mean yeah it's going through your port which is going directly to your heart right yeah so yeah. by the time i got the nurse over there i couldn't talk my tongue is swollen up like i was and i passed out like wow. i had to discontinue everything and like like your body was telling you enough was enough that is it 100 it now i look back on it like your body will let you know like hey this is this is all you can take for right. whatever reason but then you have this this worry like hey i didn't finish all 12 rounds is it going to come back like yeah. i had those conversations my doctor's like hey 12 is the number that we go for but it doesn't mean like so before they <laughs> even determine any like x amount is there like a path or a uh, an amount that they say to you um, before you started. Um, I know nothing's a guarantee, but yeah, they, they give you, they want to see if the chemo is working. Cause sometimes chemo doesn't work for people. Like it doesn't cause their, I didn't have any tumors left. They, they removed my actual tumor, but um, so they didn't have any other tumors to look at. Sometimes mm-hmm. they can't remove your tumors. They're so big. They, they can't have, they can't do surgery on them or they're in a different place. Um, so the chemo will shrink them down. But for me, like they were just checking my body to see if there was any other tumors growing anywhere else. I would have like PET scans or CT scans every three months. And as I was going through the process, just to see if there was any other growth anywhere else. But um, as I progressed through everything, they they never saw any new growths, I would say. Um, So, but it was scary. It was uh, because I had people that were there were two other 30 year olds in that room with me. Everyone else was a lot older. Most people don't get screened for colon cancer until they're um, 50 years old. That's the recommendation is 50. So recently just. And that's, that's like the thing that I don't understand because like, like even for breast examinations, like they want you to be 40, but obviously you can get breast cancer before the age of 40. So yeah, it's, it's, Colon cancer is on the rise with younger adults. It's actually decreasing for adults over 50 because mm-hmm. of the screening process. But from 20 to 50, it's dramatically increasing. And um, I go to a lot of colorectal cancer conferences and stuff. I have been over the years. And it, the, they're all determining why. And a lot of it is our um, our gut biome is what they're calling it. Um, it's basically the things that we're putting in our body is what's causing issues. And so there's a lot of good research coming out with different things that they're doing for colon cancer. And we can talk about that a little bit, but um, it's a, it's definitely something that you're starting to see a lot more in younger adults. Yeah. So men go get checked, please. (laughs) Uh, But I know you mentioned previously, like there were like a few 30 year olds and some people that were older, but was that like encouraging or discouraging for you to let you know, like, am I going to beat this? Oh, absolutely. And that's something I never thought I would think. Like you don't, you don't assume that you're 31 yeah, and you have to work wondering if you're going to live or not. That's not a, a normal thing. Most 31 year olds think about. Mm-hmm. And I had just purchased a new home earlier in the year and 
I had a relationship that I ended earlier in the year. So it was just me here at the house by myself. <laughs> and then all of a sudden I got diagnosed with cancer. So here I am in this house. I'm like, that's tough. Just me. Um, no one to help kind of take care of. My mom would come to all of my treatments with me and stay yeah. um, until the, that evening. Then I would be on my own for a couple of days until, you know, I went back to work or whatever. Like, I know you mentioned earlier that, you know, you didn't really have like hair loss, but what other ways did your body start changing, if any? It was hard. I remember um, I had lost like 20 pounds and your skin is just so, your hair, your skin, like everything is just so different because you're pumping your body full of this chemo. Like I would have chemo infusion on Friday. Mm -hmm. They would send me home with like a pump attached to me and it would run out on Sunday. Wow. And so then you would disconnect that and then two weeks later, kind of go through the same process. But um, as you went through the chemo, like the the first day after was the worst and they slowly got better. But the more chemo you got, I remember the very last time, like I didn't recover and it was time to get the the next back. Mm. And you're like driving in the parking lot knowing that you're about to go get another what about the like what about the mental side if any it was it was hard i say the mental side of everything it caused a lot of insomnia as well and so the worst thing about worrying is if you have more time to worry so here i am like trying to sleep in every bedroom i got you know just to just to get a different scene you know different environment i would say to to get some rest and those are things that you worry about like you know what bothered me the most i worried most about my mom and dad losing another child that was what made me the best tough is that one of the things that helped you like push to get better or was that more pressure on you and stress you know what i mean yeah uh, looking back um there was a certain point where you question, am I going to beat like, first of all, you're going like, yeah, I'm everybody's like, Oh, I'm going to beat this, beat this. And then all of a sudden it hits you real hard. And you're like, wait a minute. Like, am I really going to beat this? Yeah. Like when you start seeing changes yeah, yeah. and like you're, you start questioning yourself and then the drugs mess with you in so many ways too. Like there's all sorts of side effects you get from all of that. And then you start da- and you start wondering, you start kind of entertaining that fantasy of well, what happens if I'm not here? Yeah. And then mm. that leads its own, down its own road of depression and anxiety and, and all of those other things. And I remember it was one night, um, my mother had wrote me um, a scripture out on a piece of paper. And right before I started going through everything, and the scripture is, um, it says, I will not die, but live and declare the works of God. Yes. And Mm -hmm. I was one night I was looking at myself in the mirror and I was like, I don't even recognize the person in the mirror anymore. I was like, what, you know, I had this little thing hanging off of me beeping and you know, all this other stuff. And, and I went to put my hands up on the counter and my hand, like I had that by my sink and my hand touched this piece of paper and I looked at it and I read it and I looked at myself in the mirror and I was like, Mm. okay, you know, this thing, this isn't going to kill you. You're just going to have a great story to tell after this. Yep. And yep. so many people are going to be impacted by your story. That's the guy. You need to <laughs> fight even harder and keep your mental, you know, side really strong throughout this process because you know I'm going to take care of your physical side. You're going to be mm. okay. And you know, not, I know not everyone's a believer that probably listens to the show and things like that. But I re- remember sitting in my office, the, the doctor's office. She and I were having the conversation of, do I continue to try to take those last two rounds of chemo? And I was praying all up to the point. And like on the way there, I felt like God's like, hey, you don't need any more of this. You're, you're healed. You're done. 
And, you know, we always kind of question God a little bit first. Like, was I just thinking, God, I don't want to take this. <laughs> like, is that you, God? Am I here correctly? Yeah. But I got, I was like, you know what? I was like, I told her, I was like, hey, I'm done. She's like, that's cool with me. You know, we'll see what happens. And, um, here I am. Wow. Man, eight years later. That is amazing. Yeah. Like, that gives me chills sometimes. You know, like, especially at a young age or you might hear of someone who has cancer or know of someone that has cancer. Yeah. Um, and you've just ticked a lot of boxes. You know what I mean? I'm glad that you did make it through. Obviously that's not always the case for everyone. Are there any fears that you've had in the past or even now that maybe you could get it again? Yeah. I got a big scare. Um, what, what, like four years later. Cause I, they, they, they were doing for like the first couple of years, they do a, a CT scan every six months just to like check and see. And after that, it goes to a year. Um, so I, I got a scan and my doctors, she's like, Hey, there's something growing on your liver. And I was like, Oh no. And she's like, she's like, it looks like it, your cancers came back on your liver, but we're going to, she's like, well, we're going to just do a biopsy, but you know, I just want to give you that news so you can kind of start preparing. And that, yeah, that's the worst it, I can only for imagine. me. Everyone I've ever spoken to has had cancer return. Yeah. Getting it the second time is the worst because you already know like how awful it's like gonna to be. go through that again. Yeah. yeah. So they did a biopsy and what's crazy is that moment actually led me to, to meeting my wife and, um, <laughs> all right now, I know, right? y'all better have faith through it all y'all. Yes. Yeah. It ended up being like just, uh, something a little, just something that normal people have grow in their liver sometimes and it goes away, mm-hmm. but that, but they were obviously more sensitive because it was me. But, um, yeah, that was a big scare because I was like petrified that it came back and I was keeping it kind of quiet. Um, just a couple of people knew and, uh, my future wife in p- particular, she was one of the people on the short list. We had just met like Actually, we didn't hadn't even met yet, which is even crazier. Um, we had a, so you had already been cleared, and then you met her. Like you met in remission. Yeah, so we met in 2016. Yeah. Oh wow! Yeah, I was in remission. Um, we met in I think it was as late 2015, I would say, or 16, 15, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah, we had a mutual friend, and we knew of each other, but we had never met in person. Mm. And I knew she was like heavily involved in her in her church. She lived in Alabama. We oh, had ever, wow. I guess I've never even seen each other in person. And so I reached out. I was like, Hey, I know you, you got a lot of, you're around a lot of people that pray and everything. I was like, listen, I'm, I got this going on. I appreciate the prayers and like the yeah. confidentiality. You know, I don't want to, I'm, I'm, I never, I don't mind talking about anything, but like stuff like that. I was like, let's not freak everybody out, you know, and have everybody ask you questions and stuff. But she was on that short list and she was the third per second or third person I called once I got the news. And, um, you know, then I, once I found out that I didn't have cancer, I was like, all right, maybe I can <laughs> start working on this. You're like, all right, kick it up a notch. We went on our first date in December. We were engaged in August the year after that. And oh, got married in after wow. That, so, okay. Yeah. <laughs> like, what kind of prayers <laughs> was she doing? Okay. No, the good ones, I guess. I might need to get her on the show. <laughs> but no, that is amazing. But I do want to go back to one thing that you just said. You said you had people on a short list because you didn't want to worry people. Because I had a friend who unfortunately didn't make it. Um, She passed 90 days after my dad died. And she was diagnosed um, with leukemia. And every time we would visit 
with her. She was very considerate, like like more about people's feelings than her own. You know what I mean? And she would say like she could feel it and she didn't want people like feeling sad for her. Is that something that like you were thinking about sometimes or like you could feel yeah people man people say the craziest things to you sometimes when you have you have cancer i remember when i first told people at work and this is why i don't i was like you know i'm not telling everybody all my business anymore but um mm-hmm. somebody like the day i told everybody at work someone came up to me afterwards was like i'm so sorry you know you have cancer that's the same kind of cancer my grandma had and she died i was like <laughs> Like, You're like, oh, that's okay, not that's not uh, helping. Think about that. You know, leave it here today, but um, yeah. Oh and people, my goodness, I mean, y'all. Some people, like some f- people that were considered friends, completely stopped talking to me. I guess they thought I was going to die, maybe, and didn't want to talk to me anymore. And um, <laughs> some people that I never even so knew appreciated me as much reached out and did more for me than some of the people yep. that I thought would do different things. So I tell everyone. The person that has cancer already has enough to worry about, yeah. right? They shouldn't have to worry about everybody's, what everybody's going to say, what everyone's going to do, yeah. because you only have so much energy and you have a lot less energy whenever you're going through all your treatments and everything. And you're, you're asking yourself all those questions a lot of times when no one's around. Right. Um, so, you know, you do worry about other people and stuff, but the best thing someone can do is, is to kind of get in the trenches with you not ask you for anything, like just whatever it is that you need done, whether it's you want someone just to sit there and watch television with, or maybe someone needs to come clean your house because you can't do that or go get your groceries for you or whatever else. Like you just kind of got to meet the person where their needs are and their needs are not, you know, are you okay? Are you okay? Are you right. okay? We shouldn't have to prove ourselves. Well, obviously <laughs> not okay. We got cancer. Like, you know what I mean? Does so, it look like I'm okay? But People try to do what they think they want to do, but lots of times people will love you from in a selfish way as well too. They'll they'll want yeah, that's they'll true. want you to comfort them, and you shouldn't be have you shouldn't have to comfort someone whenever you're the one going through the issue. So I tell everybody yeah. keep keep that in the front of your mind whenever someone does have an illness or, or a tragedy or something that all the energy should be off them and it should be on you pouring into the right. person. Right. You shouldn't have to, you know make you feel better about them having cancer that doesn't doesn't work so (laughs) people are backwards i mean that's the word okay because even when you don't have cancer you gotta let those people know and you gotta let them go so true (laughs) but uh we're coming up on time so how has cancer changed you ultimately oh man in so many ways i would say i when i graduated from school you know I, i got a job that i want to do well in and Sometimes success will lead you to selfishness in a lot of ways where everything becomes about what you can accomplish, what you can do. You know, I'm checking all these boxes in my life. Right. You know, it becomes all about accomplishing. And that's a selfish thing because it's less about other people and more just about you. Yeah. In life, when you live your life, when it's just about you, it's a very lonely life. Even though you may be in a relationship with somebody or whatever else, or you know, it's a lonely life to, to have that kind of mindset. And I would say that, you know, the cancer and all the other situations that I've had in my life really directed me to, I would say three things, like three ways I live my life now. And um, number one is it, it's a life of discipline, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, there's certain decisions I need to make every day. There are certain things I need to do 
um, whether it's showing up on time for certain things, taking care of myself, the hard things, right? Like the, yeah. you know, yeah. you, you don't feel like working out or you feel like eating this and not that. Like, you know, some days, like I ain't worked out in like four days now. So I, <laughs> anyways, I'm going when I get off this with you tonight. But uh, I mean, uh, you don't want to see my number, okay? <laughs> right. But just having a discipline in your life, <laughs> you know, like with your job, like, like just yeah. checking off those discipline boxes every day of things that you know you need to do. Um, the second thing would be a living a life of intentionality. So mm. everything should have a purpose from why you're doing it. Yeah. So if I just yeah. show up to my job every day and, you know, before I would like clock in and clock out and be over with and like, I just didn't feel like what I was doing was for any sort of- Just robotic. Yeah. Yeah. And intentionality comes with relationships too. Like we've all been in relationships with people we just in that relationship, right? Like, you know, it's not a, there's no purpose behind it. You just, you know, maybe don't want to be by yourself or you, you're doing all these other yeah. things, right? So intentionality and purpose, everything I do for the day has to be, have some intentionality and purpose behind it. And the last thing, which is sometimes the hardest thing is having gratitude. Mm-hmm. Gratitude Sounds is good. the key to happiness, no matter what is going on every day. Um, actually do those steps backwards every day. Like I start off with, you know, being grateful for, you know, my job, my family, my friends, my health. Like I just go down a list every yeah. day of all the things I did for. And if that's the way you start your day, you're going to have problems come up. You're going to have situations come up, but I already have that backing of gratitude coming into my day. And so every day is a gift. Every relationship needs to have intention behind it. And I got to be disciplined to do the things I know I'm called to do every day. I've interviewed hundreds of people and we talk about these things all the time. And that some of the people who have a cancer diagnosis, I would say the people who have a, a fatal cancer diagnosis, they are some of the most inspiring, motivating right. people I've ever been around in my life. It's because they know they're, they're, yeah. their clock's running out faster right. than they, you know, than most people's. But they're living their life every day with those three things. And I think that's what really kind of carries everything that I do. Like everything is important to me. And I just want to be grateful for every opportunity that I have, whether I feel like you, you either win or you learn. That's what that's what yes. I approach it. Hey, man. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. And so. it's it's close and I guess aligned mm-hmm. with one of my favorite quotes, which is um, kind of like, you know, if you woke up today with only the things you thank God for yesterday, like what would you wake up with? You know what I mean? Yeah. So. Absolutely. And is there any other additional things that you would like to leave to someone who is going through it right now like whether they're at a young age or any age really what would you tell them i would say colon cancer in particular just to speak to that section you're never too young they're 18 19 20 year olds 14 year olds getting colon cancer okay so if you have any symptoms if you have any blood in your stools stomach pain um you know any of those kind of symptoms just abnormal to to go to your to a GI doctor and get checked out and if they tell you that you're too young and everything else you need to go to another doctor go to another one because there's so many people I've spoken to who weren't diagnosed until later and it was too late so you're never too young to get colon cancer you're never too young to get screened Um, if they catch it early it's one of the most curable cancers you can possibly have and so especially um, with men as well too uh, you touched on that earlier like if you have an issue if all for all the women listening you know if you have a man in your life who has having issues make him an appointment and make him go 
Um, yeah. Because it's, it's again, you could you could really save their life. And um, that's a really important thing. Yeah, I, I think for everyone out there who's experiencing <laughs> any type of cancer, any type of tragedy, yeah. just know that you're not alone. I think lots of times, you know, just in life in general, we can feel like we're the only ones suffering at that moment. But you're really not. There's so many people out there who love yeah. you and care for you that probably don't even you don't even realize. And there's people out there that don't know you that would care for you as well too. So there's a lot of you know I, I'm, I was never a big like a, I didn't want to go sit in front of some a bunch group of people and tell everybody how I felt. But online support groups have been were were good. Yeah. You know, because I could yeah. kind of ease into that and that's why I started the podcast as well too is because people who are experiencing some type of cancer can listen to the podcast we've covered you know so many different types of cancer so you can find one that that person probably related like to your type of cancer yeah. and um, listen to their experience you know everyone has a different experience you know whether they overcame it with from a natural standpoint or they went you know all the the, the Western medicine versus Eastern medicine kind of thing. There's so many different options people have chosen. And so I'd say pick one of those out and really know that there's people there that will, you know, connect with you and, and reach out to you and talk to you and, and walk you through that battle because um, you know, we're all successful when we have other people around us and community is everything. Yeah. And um, being your own advocate That's is super true. important as well to do. If you feel like something's going on, just speak up for yourself because it's, it's really important. You have to. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm very thankful for that. Uh, for my listeners, if you have thoughts on what you want discussed or featured, then please feel free to send an email to thechatconnection at gmail.com. Uh, you can also follow me on IG at thechatconnection, all one word. And of course, don't forget to subscribe to The Chat Connection on several podcast platforms. Stay blessed and forget the rest. Mwah, mwah. You gotta get both cheeks, so that's considered rude, okay? Cheers!